We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another week of NFL Food for Thought right here on Roto Grinders. Had a bye week last week here. I was enjoying the warmer weather in Florida. Uh, this week, I'm joined by Keith Eister. What's going on, Keith? Good to talk to you again. Usually, you're my wingman for all the Sunday shows, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit NFL action today. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay. Um, good, good to have you back. Definitely uh, missed you on the shows last week, but good for you getting a little time off. Uh, little time in the sunshine so that's always a good time good when it's uh weather's changing getting cold so good to get away from that a little bit for sure man i was in uh siesta key florida came up flew home it's lately snowing here in pennsylvania it's just the worst <laughs> I, I know Absolutely. you're down there you're down there in okc do you get snow down there uh not very often um it's pretty mild in the winter we get a a good solid probably 30 days of like below freezing but it, it stays above freezing for the most part so. so it's one of those parts of the country where you guys get like a coating and nobody knows how to drive and everything shuts Definitely. down yep <laughs> <laughs> i would take that though uh, any day over 
the northeasterns the northeasterns we get up here uh it's rough stuff um tough sledding in the nfl it just seemed like an ugly slate uh, i i took a little hiatus uh, much needed but man a lot of injuries a lot of brutal breaks and uh was that kind of the synopsis of of the main slate this week yeah boy let me tell you you did not miss much so it was it was a good one to sit out um it was not a good week for me um the brady chalk busted hard because Leonard Fournette just went absolutely ham with four touchdowns. I did not have any Leonard Fournette who you kind of needed to get to the top of a tournament. Uh, Joe Mixon had a really good week. Um, but yeah, just, I wasn't even close on, on really anything. Cash games were a disaster too with Christian McCaffrey getting hurt. So yeah, just, just not a very good week for me. Miles Sanders was awful as chalk. So never again, <laughs> Miles yeah. Sanders. Oh man. Just get the guy in a new system. The Eagles breaking the hearts of many up here locally in northeastern Pennsylvania, right? When the hype train got derailed rather quickly by uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, who scored seven points against the Giants. So uh, my social media timelines of of my close friends were just flooded with anger and hate and finger pointing. And it stemmed so far. I mean, the Jalen Rieger thing, it stemmed. I mean, they were calling for Howie Roseman's head saying, we passed up Justin Jefferson to get Jalen Rieger kind of thing. And it's easy to say in hindsight, right? But uh, the life of an NFL scout is not easy, <laughs> as we know. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that was a little questionable even on draft day when they took Rieger over Jefferson. But, and it's definitely played out where Jefferson looks a whole lot better at this point. So, yeah, I I got to be on the Eagles fan side on that one. I, I definitely would have won Jefferson, but. Yeah, difficult stuff to to figure out. Yeah, you have one team in Philly where everyone is pointing at each other, and then at least the Giants are starting to take a little accountability with Jason Garrett getting canned. Uh, who's next? I mean, we I've been kind of ripping Joe Judge on this podcast since the get go, since he made somebody quit for running, and I just thought, listen, this isn't varsity, you know, Mountain Valley League stuff. This is the NFL. You got to manage personalities, and I'm not quite sure if Joe Judge, you know, is the guy. And I don't even know if Dave Gettleman's the guy. This could be a topic for another for another day, I suppose. But um, what a disaster of a game as, as a whole, you know, and uh, and poor Saquon just might be one of those guys that, um, you know, he played, but it's like uh, in a macro perspective, man, one of the best rookie seasons we ever saw with Barkley just can't stay on the field. He went to high school about 20 minutes from where I live. And it, the, the things he's, he did on that field to the other honor roll students was, uh, was unfair, but nice. Yeah. I mean, uh, hope, hopefully he's getting back healthy and uh, we can see that return to, I mean, obviously an elite prospect awesome stuff in college so hopefully he can get it, his body right and get back into being that electric player um he did break off a, a pretty nice run last week so um his price is still deflated i, I think he's we'll, we'll get into it when we look ahead but uh I, he might be worth taking some shots on this week so somebody i'm interested in absolutely he's got a good matchup and we'll talk about that a little bit later but we kind of have to circle back and go around the horn and uh, talk about some of these injuries and what that opens up in terms of their replacement players here. So it might be easiest to go kind of position by position here. Most of the chaos is at running back. It seems like, but at quarterback, you know, maybe we finally see Kyler Murray this week. He's been out for a while. Uh, they just had the bye week traveling to Chicago. 
the Cardinals kind of need to get back on track. Like it's crunch time. And I get maybe there's a little bit of load management stuff going on, right? Like they played their cards right into the bye week. And there's no doubt he was dealing with, with some injuries and things were pretty significant. Um, but it's time. It, the Cardinals need to right the ship and they looked very dominant. They already lost JJ Watt, you know, a couple of weeks ago, everybody, you know, nobody's talking about right now. DeAndre Hopkins hasn't Hopkins hasn't played in weeks either, but I have a feeling we might see both of them this week. Um, your thoughts on Kyler Murray. Do you have a lean on if he returns this week? Um, I'm not sure if he returns. I think, I mean, it, it seems like he's trending towards he's going to be able to play, but he's been, I mean, it seemed like he was 50-50 the last couple of weeks too. Um, and good for them. I think they're just, they're making sure that he's right before he goes. Um, if he does go, I have a lot of interest against the Chicago team as uh, a team that's heading in the wrong direction. I mean, talk about coaches that might be on the hot seat. Nagy is probably in trouble there in Chicago. Um, they lost Khalil Mack for the season. Uh, so that, that defense is definitely not what it's been in the last couple of years. Uh, I think it would be a, a good spot for Murray to, to return. Um, Chase Edmonds, they're, they're missing as well. So James Conner is going to be one of the top value plays at, at running back this week. Um, I think the Cardinals would definitely be in, in play here if they can get Murray back. Um, obviously, they, they're tough to play when you've got Colt McCoy running the show. So it would be great to get Kyler back. Yeah, right now Vegas has the cards as eight-point road favorites, which – I kind of expected them to be slightly favored regardless. Uh, that eight number maybe indicates to me that Vegas thinks Murray might be back. Uh, that's that's my best guess right now. I know you often say Vegas is your best friend, right, Keith? So that's my lean right now. I'm like, Definitely. if I had to gauge it, I'd say like I'm 65-35 that Murray plays this week, probably. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, I mean, Chicago's dealing with quarterback injuries too. Um, we're not sure if Justin Fields is going to play. Um, so that could be factoring in a little bit. Um, I don't think Chicago really has any any reason to rush Fields back into action. Um, so it, I I don't know whether they're they're better or worse with Dalton out there, but uh, I think Arizona is just a, a clearly better team all around. So, uh, but that eight number does seem pretty big. You're right. I I think that leans us towards uh, Kyler Murray being back out there this week. Yeah, you mentioned Dalton. Everybody loves punting Andy Dalton. He always pops per dollar because he's usually 5K, 5,300 on DK. You know, he threw the ball 39 times against Detroit, 300 yards, a touchdown, 19 fantasy points. I get it. He's going to pop in, in maybe some optimal-ish type of lineups, you know, at that price tag. The Arizona defense is nothing to sneeze about, but, you know, if you're playing the trailing garbage time game script – um, it's nice that Darnell Mooney is finally getting the ball in his hands the last couple of weeks between fields was starting to kind of come into his own a little bit. It was brutal to begin with, whether you want to blame Matt Nagy or a little bit of everything, a little bit of rookie development. Sure. Definitely needed to incorporate some more design runs and some things like that for fields. <laughs> but, um, you know, we're starting, we're seeing Mooney become relevant, Cole Komet, you know, and that's kind of a testament to the ball's finally getting there. Um, Andy Dalton, let's say that happens, sticking in that Arizona game. Like, do you, do you have interest at that price? Like, or you just go somewhere else on this slate? I think there's probably better options. Chicago is just a tough team to target at this point. They they play slow, like they they run the ball. Um, I don't just nothing really excites me. I, I, the prices are fair on all of them, I guess. Um, 
So for value, they might make some sense, but I think there's going to be some better spots. One more game with two quarterbacks that we should mention is uh, the Eagles, which we spoke about briefly. Don't want to pour salt into the open wounds of the Northeastern listeners here. Um, Hertz is dealing with some ankle soreness. Nothing seems serious. Hertz is 7K against the Jets, which to me is kind of screaming like a bounce back spot potentially. Um, then you have Zach Wilson who's dinged up too. And oh man, if there's one co- rookie quarterback in this class that I'm, if, if you're saying Luch gun to head, you know, who's going to have the worst career trajectory? It might be Zach Wilson. Ugh. Like for fantasy purposes, uh, they're better off of Flacco. I mean, Elijah Moore was yeah. starting to pop, you know, seeing the targets he deserved. Um, Robert Sala said he uh, is expected to be a full participant this week. So I'm expecting Zach Wilson to play, um, which personally, just talking this thing out makes me more interested in Jalen Hurts because there might be a couple extra possessions or a couple of uh, better field positioned opportunities for the Eagles and Hurts this week. So I'm just kind of killing two birds with one stone there. Listen, I'm not playing Zach Wilson regardless. I don't care if he was free. Um, <laughs> like if he was $0, uh, I'm not playing him. But on the flip side, I, I kind of like Hurts in a bounce back spot, especially if Wilson plays, which sounds funny correlating the two. But we've seen it uh, before this year where Wilson makes dumb decisions or just can't put, you know, put drives together there. So um, on a week where there's a ton of quarterback options in general and we'll get there with our recipe for success, uh, I think I think Hurts is going to play. And uh, I think he's interesting at that price. Yeah, I'm not I'm not touching the Jets. Uh, they were a big part of my my downfall last week, so. I don't feel the need to go back there. If, if Wilson does sit, I might have have to look at it again with Flacco. They, they were looking like a better team, a more efficient offense anyway, with, with Flacco out there. So oh. that might change things. But the, the concern I have with Hertz is if, I mean, ankle injuries are tough and Hertz gets a ton of his value from running. So that's definitely a situation to monitor. I mean, have to keep an eye on the practice reports, but, if he's limited all week and doesn't get in a full practice, I, I would have some hesitation there just because so much of his value comes on the ground and, and a running quarterback dealing with an ankle injury might be tough. But if he's full practice, even one day, I, I think you'd be fine to fire up and obviously a great matchup against the Jets. Um, yeah, we definitely would, would be interested if he's healthy. Really good point. I was just going to ask you, and you, you probably answered it, like what's the magic number for Hertz or any running quarterback where they're running upside trumps their arm basically like what's the magic number for full participant you need to see one before you feel okay about rostering him over the weekend yeah I I think that's that's probably a good baseline if they're if they're feeling he's good enough to run out there and practice for for a full workload then feel pretty good about how he would perform in the game okay fair enough um I think we covered all the ground with the quarterbacks here and, and who's hurt and who's not I'm glad we don't have to deal with the potential Taysom Hill crisis. We'll let uh, whoever's breaking down Thursday night showdown take <laughs> care of it as the Saints are taking on Dallas. Um, wow. Do you have a lean either way what Sean Payton is going to do? I mean, we're going to find out eventually. We're recording this thing a little later than usual on Tuesday. Um, but my, my, my hunch is that Taysom Hill, I think it's time. I think he was dinged up. Our projections like him currently. So maybe our team has a little bit of an indication of what they might see. Um, we won't spend much time on Taysom Hill, but like, what does that do for the Saints offense, Keith? 
Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Trevor Simeon has proved that he's he's not the answer. And I mean, there just isn't any more to see out of Trevor Simeon. So it's just a matter of whether Taysom is healthy. Actually, I just it looks like they did name Taysom the starter. So right. he will be starting Thursday. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he, you've got to have interest in him just he with what he provides on the ground. Um, obviously, a lack of weapons. He probably hurts Kamara's value because they're going to use Taysom even more. I mean, if he's out there as a starting quarterback, that's always going to be a threat on the goal line. That's going to hurt uh, Kamara's touchdown upside. So, uh, but at that price tag, I think for a showdown slate, he's he's definitely going to be a great play. There was a real negative correlation between Kamara's lack of receptions and Taysom Hill starting last year. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I have 500 tabs pulled up on on my Google Chrome. I don't feel like finding the the 501st one. Um, but does that ring a bell for you, right? Like that might help, help hurt Kamara not only with red zone work, but um, I guess when you're able to scramble, you don't check down as much, right? Yeah, I think that that's true um, and historically has played out. I mean, we just talked about Jalen Hurts. I know that's definitely something Miles, Miles Sanders has experienced this year. Um, they use Gainwell a little bit, but I would say definitely running quarterbacks tend to use the running back less because they can, they'll just scramble for, for it if the play breaks down instead of checking down. So, yeah, I, I think there's definitely correlation with that. Cool. Makes sense. I agree. Running back is where things are going to get a little bit of chaotic here. Uh, the headliner – is Dalvin Cook. He's week to week. Uh, he's expected to sit out the next two games, at least. Um, and this one happens to be against Detroit this weekend. Uh, DK did a good job of pricing up Alexander Madison to, what, 7,600, which I think is I think is about right. But I think one could argue that maybe Madison should be even a little bit more. Um, his role does not – he turns into Dalvin Cook. Basically, like if Cook's Cook's a great runner, Madison, I think we've talked about this, is probably a, a top 15 back in the league. There's nothing you can't run with Alexander Madison that you do with Dalvin Cook. I mean, the playbook is exact, the exact same from Mike Zimmer. We've seen these complex screens. You know, we've seen everything. Madison's good. Um, I'm curious to see what, what ownership looks like with Alexander Madison. 7,600 on DK. Um, and on FanDuel, it's like 87. 87. Yep. Wow. I love that for tournaments, Keith. I I, I think Madison's going to have a big day. Um, what are your thoughts here with, with the price on Madison and uh, just in general? God, juicy matchup with Detroit, too. Yeah, great, great job of the, with the sites pricing him up because if he was, I mean – if he was in the 6k range, even he would just be a, an automatic jam, um, just an outstanding matchup against Detroit and that defense there. Um, but we have a little bit of a decision now with his price tag. Um, I, he's absolutely in play. I, I mean, if people are scared off because it's a backup running back coming in and they see him priced at in the 7k's on DraftKings, 8k's on FanDuel, and they don't want to play him, I'm definitely going to jump, jump at that chance. Um, Jonathan Taylor is obviously in a great matchup too, which we'll get to. Um, I think that's where most people are going to spend up. I, I mean, I think Madison has to be in that conversation right there along with Taylor as a running back who could just break the slate. Uh, he's going to have a massive role. Um, we've seen this happen several times in the past and they just plug Madison right in there and he's going to get 85% of the work probably. So um, yeah, that price tag isn't going to scare me, scare me off. I, I think he's going to be a phenomenal play this week. 
I'm with you on that. And uh, I think he'll be a little, uh, a little lower owned on FanDuel than DK probably at, at that price. Um, still have extreme tournament interest there as well. Great matchup too. Um, sticking in the NFC North, the DeAndre Swift injury opens up Jamal Williams to have a solidified role. Dan Campbell said it's hard to see uh, Swift playing against Minnesota. So that opens up Jamal Williams, who has proven to be more than serviceable when he's, when he's had the volume. Uh, here's where probably the chalk is going to come into play, right? 5,400 on DK. Um, he makes the, he's one of the quote unquote right plays at that price. Probably, probably going to be a staple of cash game lineups. Minnesota's defense is not very good either. Um, and, and Jamal is a guy who gets involved in the pass game as well. He's able to catch the ball to the backfield. And we know Jared Goff loves to check, check down and throw behind and around that line of scrimmage. Um, as a lot of metrics indicate, whether you're looking on PFF or, or wherever you're finding that info, um, Jared Goff ain't it, and he sticks around the line of scrimmage. So uh, th- there's one of your cash game plays most likely. He's probably going to come in at super ownership. Um, and a guy who I will probably hate to fade for tournaments, but I probably will um, if his ownership comes in pretty high. Thoughts on Jamal Williams? I mean, he makes sense, right? Yeah, he definitely makes sense. Um, I think he will be the highest owned running back on this slate. Just pulled it up. To, we don't have ownership projections out yet, but uh, he's definitely popping as as the top value on the slate. So he is going to be a, a heavy decision point for tournaments. Um, should have a, a huge workload. Although we have seen um, Jamar Jefferson and um, Godwin I can't pronounce his last name, Adebuke or something like that. They have worked in a little bit here. So maybe he's in a little bit more of a timeshare than we're initially thinking here. Um, but the price tag is just too low. He's going to be the lead back for sure. Um, I guess when those other two guys were working in, Williams had missed some time too. So, I mean, I don't have any doubt. He, he's definitely the lead back here. Uh, and at, at, the, at that price tag, going to be an awesome value. Yeah, t- totally the, agree. The tournament fate is the interesting conversation because we just saw Minnesota get absolutely thrashed by San Francisco. Um, Eli Mitchell returned and had a monster game. Debo Samuel looks like he could be a top running back in the league. <laughs> I mean, I think that they ran for close to 200 yards on this Minnesota team. So this is, this is a great matchup for Williams. Um, and the price tag is just way too cheap. So I think it's going to be a tough fade in tournament. No, I totally agree. And, and you would, you would think he gets the red zone work too. I know these other guys are popping in there, but um, I think Detroit will be able to move the ball a little bit against Minnesota too. I know we're talking the Lions here, but that Vikings defense uh, has has some issues in its own right. And uh, I totally agree. Williams is the quote unquote, one of the right plays at running back, you know, whatever you decide to do in tournament builds, you know, if you're a multi multi lineup kind of guy, maybe don't do the full fade and, and kind of look for leverage elsewhere, but he should carry, tremendous ownership and, and will be a staple of cash games barring something happening uh, by the time the weekend rolls around. Um, seems like a pretty fun game environment as a whole. And, you know, we'll talk some, some game environments. Uh, anything else to add on Jamal Williams or should we keep going on? Uh, no, I think that covers it. Let's move on. A couple other guys, you know, Daryl Henderson, it was what's going on with him. Seems to always be banged up quadricep injury now um, reportedly. If I read that correctly, has that questionable tag, um, and the kicker is as that great matchup at home against the Jaguars too. So whoever's going to be the volume guy there is uh, going to be another quote-unquote right play because you would expect to have a favorable game script 
uh, amongst many other things here. Oh, you know, the Jamal, the domino effect here, because then you're going to have Sony Michelle. Let's say Henderson doesn't play. Uh, Michelle's 4,300 on DK. That's about as free as, as a free of a free square as, as there's going to be one. Like you're going to see ridiculous lineups with Williams and, and Michelle. Um, you're going to have people fading both of them in tournaments and, the rants on next week's podcast are, are going to be fantastic if the chalk completely smashes. And it's been a hell of a year for chalk smashing. This was one of the weeks where, you know, some Tampa Bay chalk didn't work out. But if this screams frustration for tournament players, uh, it could be uh, another week if Daryl Henderson is ruled out. I mean, there, uh, Michelle might be the no brain like smash play. Gun to head, gun to head here, Keith. If if DeAndre Swift is out and if Henderson is out and you have to play one of them, does like, is it an ownership thing for you and picking between the two or is it a price differential thing? I and mean, we were talking about a 1300 price difference on DK. What, what goes through your process here? Or do you just fade both of them? If it gets too ridiculous. Oh man, this is, this is what I'm going to have to dig into a little bit because 4,300 on DK is especially free. Like you mentioned, um, that it is really hard for somebody who would have a majority of the backfield to not pay off that price tag. Um, how Michelle is not like a great receiver out of the backfield. Um, we saw when, in, when he was in new England, obviously they use white in that role. So he didn't really have any chances at it with uh, the Rams here. It looks like he's, he's getting a little bit of work out of the backfield um, between two and three targets pretty much every week. That would be my concern in the only way. I mean, if you're looking at 4,300 on DraftKings, if he had a role in the passing game at all, like it's just almost impossible to fade. Um, the problem is the Rams don't really have anybody else to plug in there if Henderson's out. Obviously, they uh, lost acres to begin the year, so they already have depleted depth. Um, I think Michelle would just be the guy, and if he's going to have that massive role, even if he is not efficient, um, which he certainly can be against this Jaguars defense. Um, it, it would be really tough to fade Michelle at 4,300. Yeah, I know this, not every not everyone might agree with this take, but, and I'm kind of comparing apples to oranges here, but if Henderson is out, Michelle just feels like that guy in NBA who's playing 39 minutes at min price, you know, who might look into three steals and a block and have a pedestrian game otherwise. And, and crush right so you know Michelle scores a touchdown and has 40 yards he's, he's probably fine at 4300 I mean he might not take anything down um but like he doesn't have, he just has to show up to work like bring the lunch pail put the hard hat on and go out there for 85 percent of the snaps against the Jaguars god forbid he scores twice like there's some there's this interesting you know argument like Michelle could be 60 percent but at that price maybe he should be 90 percent right I I know. Is your glass full, half full or half empty here? I, I'm with you. Gun to head. I'm probably playing Michelle if Henderson's out. <laughs> yeah. Um, another factor that we didn't touch on with uh, with quarterback injuries, there was some pretty heavy rumors floating around that Matthew Stafford is playing injured. Uh, we know he's dealt with back injuries throughout his career. Um, and there were a couple of tweets flying around Sunday morning that, that Stafford's back was really troubling him the last couple of weeks. And if you just look at him play, I mean, he's thrown a pick six in each of the last uh, two weeks for sure. I think it's three weeks in a row he's thrown a pick six. Um, so Stafford clearly isn't right. If if they're just out there rolling Jacksonville, I mean, I could see them turn around and give it to Sony Michelle 20, 25 times um, 
if, if they have a decent lead. So we're, you talk about that workload. I think that the Rams would definitely like to not overutilize Stafford um, until he's like fully healthy. Um, obviously they're, they're trying to set up a, a deep playoff run here. So if they're playing with a lead, they're just going to turn around and hand it off to whoever's back there as much as they can. Yeah, you know, quadricep injury, typically you miss a game or two, like at least. Uh, it just I don't associate quadricep injuries with definitely going to suit up next week. Um, plus, if it's a game they think they can get by, which it probably is at home against the Jags, I, I think Henderson sits this week. If You know, if I'm making a, a guess right now, it's, that's my guess. And I think we're going to have to deal with this free square type of week at running back. Yeah, it's going to be making for an interesting dynamic for sure. Um, if you get Michelle and Williams both in there as like chalk cheap guys, I mean, we just talked about it, uh, Madison, like going to go completely overlooked. Like you might be looking at a 10% Alexander Madison. Um, and honestly, Jonathan Taylor might even fall a little bit if both of these guys are available. Yep. I agree. It should be a fun, uh, fun water cooler talk in terms of roster construction when Sunday rolls around. Um, because another guy, he's too cheap for his role, is Antonio Gibson. And we saw J.D. McKissick get hurt Sunday Night Football. Um, you, know, you mentioned it seems like he's going to be okay, but maybe they take it easy on him, right? Uh, and Gibson had a, t- a ton of opportunities. And he looked good. And he plays the Raiders, who struggle in pretty much every uh, run defense metric you can look at. And uh, he's 5,700 on DK. So, I mean, is this... O- Gibson will carry ownership, but he might not even carry the ownership he sh- he deserves to carry with some of these free squares at the bottom and some of the elite talent at the top. But man, so I- I'm guessing like a conservative estimate here that Gibson's like you know fifteen to twenty percent deserves to be. He might like on a normal week he deserves to be twice that potentially, uh, and I and I'd probably fade him and then maybe I'd probably lose. But um, talk to me about this Gibson situation here. Yeah, well, I think we saw a distinct role change um, in this last game against the Seahawks, and it, it was not because of the McKissick injury. Like, he he was injured very late in the game. Um, Antonio Gibson had 29 rushing attempts, but for me, the most important thing that I saw was seven targets out of the backfield, caught all seven of them. Uh, Washington was clearly making an effort to get him the ball out of the backfield as a receiver. Uh, I mean, he was a, a very high draft pick in fantasy football season long leagues because we expected this type of role. And we just haven't seen it this year. But for, for whatever reason, they came out against Seattle and were willing to use him out of the backfield heavily. Whether McKissick plays or not, if he still has that role, he is, he is way, way too cheap. Um, and then, I mean, the 29 rushing attempts was just phenomenal as well so this is the type of workload that we were expecting when there was chatter about him like popping into the top like like some of the best fantasy football running backs for the entire season um we finally saw that Antonio Gibson in the last game I think we have to take that into consideration and like it's just too cheap of a price if that's the role he's gonna have yeah like like Gibson a lot ownership projections will tell us a lot about uh, how we plan on utilizing him um, I will say he should provide a pretty safe floor for that role regardless. So 
I think you can play him in all formats. One of those guys that might check the boxes and, and cash in tournaments, you know, the popular question is, is he a cash game player or a GPP play? Well, at that price, he might be one of the guys that can, you know, I can see you playing him in the right roster construction um, in either format. Yeah, definitely. I I almost hope McKissick plays because then I think he's a phenomenal tournament play. I don't think he would. I mean, it, it's obviously going to depend on what shakes out with um, Henderson uh, and Swift. If we get both of those two and Gibson is more pricey than both of those two, McKissick ends up playing. You might see um, Gibson's ownership come in well below where, where he really should be for this, this spot. Rolling along here. Talking about injuries here on Food for Thought, elephants in the room, where we talk about our biggest takeaways from the previous week, and injuries are kind of the headliner here on this week's show. Do you want any time to vent about Miles Sanders or, you know, well, what's going on here? <laughs> I mean, there did he leave because of an injury? I think, I mean, that's what's been thrown out there. Um, we certainly didn't see it. Like, Boston Scott just took over, like, late in the game, so... Um, yeah, it, it was just absolutely brutal. Um, I don't know why they won't throw him the ball. Even when he was out there at the beginning of the game, they weren't throwing him the ball. Um, they, they were using Gainwell in that role. And then Boston Scott just kind of closed out the game and played, I think it was almost the entire second half. So Sanders was rumored to be dealing with an injury and that's why he didn't return. Um, but I just, I don't think I can trust it. I'm, I'm not going to be looking to go back there for a while until we see it out of Sanders. Yeah. Boston Scott played 51% of the snaps uh, and Gainwell wasn't there for 16%. Uh, Miles Sanders deserves to go to a good home. We need some like, you know, uh, it's like puppy adoption here. Like this guy needs a good home. Someone who will take care of him. Like put him on the milk carton, MIA, Miles Sanders. I don't know. We're, we're blaming Sirianni here. And like, there was that narrative oh, maybe we should get him the ball, right? After everyone was crushing him for the first half of the season. Um, and then you think, I, I just don't, I just don't get it. Like get him the ball in space. He's a talented runner. Devontae Smith's finally coming into his own, but when he was kind of struggling or not getting the ball either, and he was pissed this week too, by the way, you know, uh, screaming on the sidelines there. I don't blame him. Um, Got to get Miles Sanders and Devontae Smith the ball. Like, why is this target tree so wide in Philadelphia? No, nothing against Quez Watkins and like Greg Ward. Or, I, don't, I don't care. Nothing against you guys, but that's what they are, right? Just another guy. This target tree should be convinced there needs to be a better schemes to get Sanders and Devontae Smith the ball and Dallas Goddard. Like, those should be the three guys. We should. We should be seeing the the Titans and the Minnesota treatment here, the designing your offense. Well, the Titans are in a body bag right now, but when they're healthy, like those are the guys who deserve the volume scheme them open. Like, I think it's clear to me that Sirianni just can't get, can't figure it out. Like I know he's not the only guy working on the offensive side of the football there, but like no need to throw it to nine different receivers in Philadelphia. Uh, get your running back to volume, Miles Sanders. I don't know. You think he'd be better somewhere else, like different situation? Yeah, I mean, I he's definitely a talented running back. Uh, he was very good for them last year. I, I don't know what why Sirianni doesn't trust him, why they don't want to use him. Um, I mean, we talked about the pass-catching role that just has completely disappeared. Like, he showed talent in that role last year. Um, and, and it's not like it's completely went away. It's just going to gain well. So I don't know why they're not trusting him in the passing role. I don't know if it's 
passing blocking related or, or what it is, but they're just not utilizing him as a receiver at all. Yeah, you know what? And if Jordan Howard's healthy, you know what they're going to do? They're going to go back and give Jordan Howard an alpha role again, and it's just going to be infuriating. Um, he did miss the game against the Jets with an alleged knee sprain, but like if Sanders doesn't play and if Howard doesn't play, all you have is Boston Scott and Gainwell, and clearly they won't use Gainwell in early downs, even if their life's dependent on it, which I don't want to play Boston Scott, but he's 4,600 against the Jets. So like if the cards break that way where <laughs> Sanders is out and Howard's out, then you have another guy under 5K who deserves to be in some lineup builds at that price against the Jets. So, man, that would really be – bust out the tequila and the Advil. <laughs> like tequila Saturday, Advil Sunday, figure it out. Because we might not know until Sunday morning, like, if these who if these Eagles running backs are going to play too. It seems kind of up in the air totally. Yeah, I mean – Boston Scott would definitely be in the conversation if, if Howard and Sanders both missed. I mean, Ugh. we, we just saw it from him. <laughs> Unfortunately, like he was the guy down the stretch in this, in their last game um, against the giants. So I, you'd have to go right back to him at that 4,600 price. Like, I, he, I mean, he was getting goal line carries too. It's not like, <laughs> I don't know. It, it feels gross to say you'd ha- you have to consider Boston Scott, but you do. And like he, he probably would be like if Howard and Sanders are out, he probably would be third in the ownership pecking order, but behind potentially Michelle if Henderson's out and Jamal Williams, of course. So oh, it's just terrible to think about. Hope, hope, hopefully, we don't have to get to that point, right? <laughs> that's the thing where we talk so many hypotheticals on a Monday night or a Tuesday afternoon, you know, and all this could be stale. But I think I think it was good that we broke down the what ifs because um, those three guys could really dictate the slate, especially in how um, a lot of rosters are being constructed too. Yep, uh, for sure, definitely have to keep an eye on practice reports and see who's who ends up inactive come Sunday morning. Yeah, um, those are a lot of the a lot of the guys with tags right now uh, at the running back position. Um, so we'll go on a receiver, and obviously Debo is pretty much pretty much the big one, right? Aside of is Hopkins going to play? Um, those are two that stand out. You know, Debo's been unreal. He's been an alpha. Honestly, coming into this year, it was like, well, is it going to be Debo or Ayuk? And Ayuk was in the doghouse for whatever reason. Almost felt like a Nick Sirianni situation at first with just the way he's utilizing his players. Um, and we've seen flashes of Ayuk, right? Throughout, throughout, um, the second, the beginning of the second half of the season here. Um, and now Debo's doubtful and probably going to miss a week or two. And you're playing Seattle, who's struggling, struggled all year defensively. But you just had this low-volume pass attack of San Francisco that we always talk about. Um, I almost prefer going to Kittle at this point because I feel he has more touchdown equity and he's safer and, you know, bad court- <laughs> taking a shot here. Bad quarterbacks love throwing the – tight ends <laughs> and Kittle's the guy. Um, but I, but I understand the IU thing. You know, I think they're just going to run the ball if they can. How about two weeks ago without Eli Mitchell, right? And, and they just fed Jeff Wilson like 14 times in the first one and a half quarters they played. Um, Eli Mitchell, another guy who's squarely, fairly priced at 6K against Seattle. Like you're going to have these guys in mega situations who just might not get the ownership they deserve. So it's either going to be a really good week or a really bad week for tournament players. But anyway, Debo out. 
Uh, what does that you know do to the San Fran offense in your eyes? And like, who would you target as a result of his injury? Yeah, I, I mean, Eli Mitchell, I think, is the first one. They, they've shown they want to be a run first team uh, whenever Eli Mitchell is healthy, especially. Uh, have to keep an eye on Jeff Wilson Jr., who missed last week, probably going to be back this week. That muddies this situation a little bit for Mitchell, but I think he's shown enough where, where Mitchell is still the guy here. Uh, as far as their passing game, I, I don't know what's going on with George Kittle. Like uh, two targets last week. Um, <laughs> I, that, that has to tick up, obviously, with Devo vacating his, his target share. You'd have to have a ton of interest in Kittle. I mean, we've seen what this guy can do in the past. I don't know why they're not getting him more involved. You'd have to think that this is the week for Kittle for sure uh, with Tebow out. I have interest in Ayuk as well. Very fairly priced, in my opinion, would should step in as the number one wide receiver. Um, that's, if I had to pick between Kittle or Ayuk, I think I'd go Kittle first. Um, but Ayuk has shown shown plenty over the last couple of weeks here. Um, seems whatever dog house, whatever got him in the doghouse to begin the year, he's past that. He's definitely involved. Uh, I think you could look at both guys, but it'd be be Kittle first for me. Here's some IU target market share numbers. Here are the doghouse days. Week two, 6%. Target market share. Week three, 15%. Week four, 7%. Week five, 14%. By week. Week seven, still in the doghouse, 7%. Here we go. We're out of the doghouse. 28% in week eight, 20% week nine, 21%, 35%, 23%. I definitely trending in the right direction. And I know we talk about how this is like a low volume pass attack. Um, and you're right. That 7% for Kittle, I'm just going to chalk it up as an anomaly. Um, the touchdown equity is just so important. Like you said, in this offense, who wants to run the ball? This, this Kyle Shanahan offense, like Kyle Shanahan, master schemer, Schemes his guys open. Nick Sirianni in Philadelphia should be watching some, some Kyle Shanahan games, some tape. Target market share this season. Debo Samuel, 28%. George Kittle, 21%. Brandon Ayuk, 18%. The next highest wide receiver who's played at least eight games is Mohamed Sanu at 9%. He's figuring out ways to get his playmakers the ball, even when everyone knows the ball's getting there. And shout out to Mike Zimmer in, in Minnesota as well. And he's doing it with Kirk Cousins. I don't know. I'm just not a Kirk Cousins truther. He, he's just at that level of can win you games, but can he win you the big games? I know you've seen him on the talking heads on TV, but Kirk Cousins is kind of in that Ryan Tannehill's t- in my eyes. I know Tannehill's having a terrible season. I know a lot of injuries, but he's just kind of in that Tannehill realm. Like for years, that same tier of quarterback was Matt Stafford in Detroit and Phillip Rivers, like capable, but when are they going to do it? Right. Here's Jimmy Garoppolo and, and Kyle Shanahan is just figuring out a way to run the ball, have a good offensive line, great run scheme. He's like McVeigh-ish in that sense. Um, you know, look, look at the Rams, like when they were healthy, like they're throwing the ball to cup and, and woods and like, that's it. Like, yeah, you get Van Jefferson and, uh, and Higby, but they're going to run the ball and get the ball to their playmakers. Like, which, which kind of gives like Ayuk a vote of confidence. Ayuk, Ayuk, tomato, tomato. I, I don't know. <laughs> But, like, the Niners are, like, pu- pushing the right buttons here uh, is going to be important. Like, because you can't just load up on, on Mitchell and load up on, on Ayuk and Kittle. And, and, like, you can't just full, full, full stack this team, I don't think, because of the low volume in the past game. But one of them's going to have a game, like, whether it's Ayuk or Kittle. And, God, I just don't know. 
I mean, we're gonna we're gonna be, the industry is gonna be talking about Garoppolo stacks all week, right? And Mitchell's just gonna be lost in the sauce here, I think. Yeah, I was really curious. This is an interesting matchup. Um, I don't see a Vegas line out because I was like, who is favored in this game? Um, Seattle just looked awful, and and San Francisco has looked really good. Like we're not sure Russell Wilson is healthy. I think San Francisco is going to come out favored on the road here in Seattle. Um, I think it'll be a tight spread, but I think San Francisco is just better than Seattle right now. Um, yeah. So just speaking to the efficiency of their offense, um, I think, I think it's going to be an offense to target against the Seattle defense. You're right. Efficient. That's a great word that I probably should have said in my stupid spiel that I had going here. <laughs> um, but that's what, what it is. And the numbers show like, they're not going to throw the ball 45 times a game. If they are, they're, they're going to lose. Um, but, you know, they get the play-action game going, and they're able to hit their playmakers. You know, people are going to be talking about punting Trent Sherfield or Juwan, like whoever it's going to be, Jennings. And I get it, but, like, the floor is just so scary. And clearly, like, clearly Shanahan wants to get his playmakers the ball. And, yeah, one of those guys could walk into a bomb or something, right, for sure. But like those, like Ayuk and Kittle are getting the ball. They're, they're going to have the opportunities uh, behind Mitchell. And man, Mitchell's in that Gibson range of, of salary. And we'll talk about Saquon Barkley too, where you have these guys that are definitely, I, I get it at the bottom, right? And you have the premier guys at the top. So at, at running back, man, this could be a phenomenal Madison spot with these guys in the mid six range that we're talking about here. Mitchell's in a great spot against Seattle, right? Gibson against the Raiders. And you have those 4k guys and you have Jamal Williams. Who's going to pay up for Madison. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, if, it, if injury news breaks the right way, there could just be an embarrassment of riches uh, as far as running back value on this week. So yeah, definitely going to be interesting. I'm with you. They, they like Eli Mitchell, you know, they, they yeah, clearly for do. Sure. And you know who they don't like? Trey Sermon. <laughs> Definitely not. Whatsoever. Um, okay, we covered McKissick a little bit. I guess the only other one is, uh, of course, McCaffrey. But the Panthers are on a bye. And, uh, you know, much like Saquon, are we just seeing two premier talents who just can't stay on the field? Yeah, that's you know? a bummer with the, with the McCaffrey stuff. Um, not looking forward to next week when we have to decide – um, whether we're going to play Chuba Hubbard or not, because that was not a fun experience when that was part of our process. Yeah, now you bring in a quarterback who vultures every touchdown inside the five, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, Cam looked awful. Like, we, he was just anointed as being back and then just come out, comes out and completely looks just completely washed again. So. You know, uh, before we get into recipe for success, um, I know we, I'll, I'll just quickly go over tight end. Uh, Darren Waller's doubtful, right? We're going to see some value there uh, with the Raiders tight end. Um, Dan Arnold got hurt and Friar Muth is questionable. I'm pretty sure like that's it for tight end. Um, kind of same story all year at tight end, right? Find a guy to walk into a touchdown unless you're paying up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if Waller misses Foster Moreau is going to be just absolute chalk at two seven on, on DraftKings. Um, that's worked already once this year. There's no reason I wouldn't want to go right back to that except for the ownership probably gets out of hand on him. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, could be a little O'Shaughnessy season against the Rams, by the way, with Dan Arnold. I love James O'Shaughnessy. I don't know. 2,600. They're going to be trailing. 
you know, you can maybe co- <laughs> correlate him with a little Sony Michelle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there you go. You know, since Marvin Jones just can never deliver for some reason, I, I don't know why. Um, all right, before we you know go into recipes for success, we kind of looked ahead a little bit here. Here's my quarterback conundrum in my season long. I, I have a I run a season long league that is like probably the closest thing to to the TV show the league that you can get. I mean, it's just like a brutal sixteen team auction league where we talk so much crap and um, a lot of friends from home, so it's cool to keep in touch. Here's my quarterback conundrum. Right, I have Russell Wilson. Cam Newton, Tua, and Taysom Hill. Oh boy. And we're getting we're getting into crunch time, playing for a bye. Do I just go with the Taysom Hill news this week and, and roll him out against Dallas? Like, Wilson clearly isn't right, right? And Tua, um, you know, Tua, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to expect from Tua in every given week. Ah, uh, I don't even know. Do I go? I I like I just have a problem playing Russell Wilson, I think, this week. What are your thoughts? Does he pass the eye test? I mean, he certainly did not on Monday night. Um, like he was running for his life as usual with his terrible offensive line, but he was, I mean, some of his throws just did not look right either. So I would have a very hard time trusting, trusting Russell Wilson at this <laughs> point. I mean, of that group, I think Tua is probably the safest. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't love the matchup against the Giants, but yeah, it's be that or trust Taysom Hill in his first start, who is coming back from injury. Yeah, tough situation for sure, man. Well, I'll let you know. And then I'll probably be very sad on Thursday, but (laughs) probably going to roll out Taysom Hill Hill and regret it. Um, You know, that, that being said, wow. Uh, Ownership at running back is going to dictate a lot, a lot. Um, Are there any games that stick out to you in terms of game environment that you want to bring up? Um, I think Tampa Bay is going to be popular again. They, they, Going to the Dome in Atlanta, um, I mean, shame on me for not pivoting to Leonard Fournette with with Brady and his receivers, his, even Gronk was chalk. I mean, just the Tampa Bay passing game was complete chalk, and I had absolutely no Leonard Fournette last week. Um, me and mo- a lot of the rest of the field, but I definitely won't make that same mistake again this week. Um, although maybe I will with all the running back value we just talked about, maybe Leonard Fournette doesn't get played again, but I think you have to look at Tampa Bay with should, I mean, big team total there in the dome in Atlanta, um, good spot for the bucks. I think the best like shootout potential is, um, the chargers Bengals game. Um, Cincinnati has looked really good. Um, the chargers we've seen be explosive on offense. So I really like that game as, as a game that could really shoot out and blow over that total. No, I, I like that call. And, you know, is Antonio Brown going to play? Uh, one guy we I knew we'd bring up the Bucks eventually. Talk about throwing a dart between Brown, Godwin, Evans, Gronk, and Brady will spread the ball out. It's really hard to, to pick one. You know, first couple of weeks of the year, um, you know, Godwin's a reception guy, right? Moves the chains. Uh, you know, he had some pretty low target market share numbers. Uh, when Brown, uh, Brown, Brown only played five games. Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. Uh, yeah. Five games, but he technically led the team in target market share. So, um, God, I don't even know. Like you want a piece of that game. It's just, it's just hard to figure out where you want to go. Like Gronk's been good this year. and Brady's been going to him, man. Like, so Gronk like has looked like prime elite Gronk. Like he's not just out there like catching touchdowns in the red zone and doing nothing. He's catching like 
like, but they're using him between the twenties. Um, and he's just ripping off yards after the catch, just running over people and looking just like absolutely elite prime Rob Gronkowski. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you have to go back to him. I guess he's my preferred choice. And I think with Morneau that Gronk's ownership will be okay. So uh, yeah, the price has come up on him too. So I, I agree. I don't think he's going to be like super chalk or anything. Like he, he's flashed more than just touchdown upside. That's what he was last, you know, when he played previously yep. um, since he came back, but look, look at his log, eight targets, five targets, eight targets, got hurt, eight targets, 10 targets. <laughs> yeah. Wide receiver, one type volume. Yeah. Yep. So uh, I'm with you. I think, I think I'll go to Gronk at, at just the, the tight end position and maybe not have to worry about like who to plug in at receiver. Right. So I'll just, I'll just play Gronk in my builds maybe and move on. Um, Joe Burrow's cheap. Like that bye week did him a world of good. And I know, I know the Chargers have a pretty good pass defense. Um, terrible run defense. Joe Mixon's, you know, another, another guy, another guy is going to be lost in this office. Joe Mixon, right? Um, talk to me about that Chargers Bengals game here. Burrow's cheap on both sites. Uh, boy, did the Bengals light up Pittsburgh and he only ended up with 17 DK points, but he didn't have to do anything in the second half of that game. So it didn't really matter. So I think that could be a little bit deceiving as to how good Joe Burrow really was against the Steelers. Yeah, this um, Joe Mixon is very interesting. Another guy that probably gets lost on this slate. And this is an outstanding matchup for somebody who's had a really good role this season. Um we were concerned early in the year that he wasn't getting work out of the backfield uh, with, oh man, the name is escaping me there. Their other back, Chris Evans, um, but he's been on the shelf a little bit. And Mixon's been seeing a little bit more work out of the backfield. He's got an elite goal line role and he's getting a ton of work. Um, 28 carries in the last game, 30 the week before that. So um, I think Mixon is, is the lean. I'm, I know Burrow is cheap, but I think I would look to Mixon first, especially if the running back, if there's a ton of value at running back and, and Mixon is flying under the radar, this is a great matchup for him. Um, don't have any problem with that 8K price tag. I think I'd look to Mixon first and then probably play some chargers on the other side of him. Yeah, I think um, I think you can argue that he's underpriced. Yeah. That game log is sick. You know, Burrow threw that pick six against Cleveland, and then they're like, all right, we're just giving the ball to Joe. Two touchdowns against Cleveland. I, that was on the first drive, I think, when they got blown out against Cleveland, when Burrow threw that pick six on the goal line to Denzel Ward, right? So, like, screw it. We're giving the ball to Mixon. Two tutties against Cleveland, then the bye week. Two more touchdowns against Vegas. Two more against Pittsburgh. Uh, he's averaging 29 carries the last two weeks. For a guy that's dinged up forever, forever hurt, um, I guess he's healthy. Super favorable game scripts, though. You're right. But there's nobody else there. Um, so, even in a neutral game script, I think you get 20 carries out of Mixon against a bad a bad Chargers run the like what is his ownership going to be if the injury news breaks to, you know the way we think it could like, we talking like 10 12% on Mixon maybe like at that price yeah i mean just the amount of guys that we've talked about that are that are clearly underpriced Mixon's probably only a couple hundred underpriced so i i think he could go overlooked here 13 touchdowns man i mean going to finish as a top five running back if he stays healthy everybody else is hurt or missed time or uh, and he just can't knock the season he's had but uh, i'm with you man uh, i like that call that game is super interesting 
like on the Chargers side, I can't every every other week I change my mind if Cincinnati has a decent defense or not. And I think context has a lot to do with it. I mean, Ben, we go from one week where you know, Roethlisberger put some respect back on his name against the Chargers. He looks washed completely last week against Cincy. So, we're, I mean, Keenan Allen's just a volume guy. Another guy who just isn't super sexy, but you know, another 10 targets against Denver, 15 and a half DK points. Um, hasn't scored in four weeks, five weeks this Sunday. Might be a squeaky wheel situation here. You know where the ball's going. We had a we had a showdown slate a couple weeks ago. Where we talked about Mike Williams, and um, he bailed us out with that bomb at the end, which we were grateful for. But it happened, yeah. so it counts. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, um, yeah. Mike Williams is. I mean, we've seen a massive ceiling out of this guy. He's just fifty seven hundred on DraftKings. I, I mean, I don't know how what the ownership's going to look like, but if it doesn't get out of control, I've got a ton of interest in in going back to Williams. I played a lot of him last week. It didn't really work out, but. I would go right back to him in this spot. I think the the Mixon Williams like secondary correlation type, even if you didn't want to stack the whole game, would be something I would look to get in quite a few of my lineups. So um, just just too cheap for a guy that has 100 yards and two touchdown upside. You know, and, and Austin Eckler, like, oh, well, playing two running backs negatively correlates. He's a receiver. That's why Williams just isn't getting the work. Eckler has no games with 10 with 20 carries this year. He only has two games with 17 carries. I don't know what he's averaging. I don't have to like figure it out, but it's probably like eyeballing it here. It's probably like 12 to 13 carries a game. Imagine how unique you will be with the, the Eckler uh, Joe Mixon combo, you know, both are over AK and DK and you can still figure out who, you know, you want to run a third running back, you know, punt one of them at your flex. You know, if you, if, if Michelle starts and Henderson's out, I mean, you'll still have money to work with. Like, can you play them both and like punt Morneau and punt one of the other running backs? Like you can still almost do whatever you want, which is scary. So it's kind of just like pick a game and stack it this week with all the chalk that there's going to be. And um, that Eckler mix in one, two punch, I think would be interesting to kind of maybe start off some tournament bills with. Yeah, that's, that's a great, great point by you. Um, Playing opposing running backs is not something I don't, I don't think the field will do it. It's not something I generally do, but it makes perfect sense in this scenario for sure. Um, let's see. Th- those are two really great games for sure. And I know we talked about, um, about Minnesota and Detroit, which is, which is probably another one, you know, we mentioned just about everybody there, but of course, Justin Jefferson and Thielen, um, really hard to pick between the two. Uh, typically Jefferson has been the air yard guy. Of course, it was Thielen who scored twice um, last weekend, I believe. Incredible season uh, by Jefferson, by the way. Um, but I think, you know, over 8K there, Jefferson's a guy who might not garner a ton of ownership either. Um, I'm just real curious where the spend ups are going to be, you know, with all the value. I mean, Cooper Cup against Jacksonville. Huh. Is probably about the safest floor that, that you're going to get there, regardless of Stafford's situation. Um, you know, we covered most of my favorite game environments. We mentioned Atlanta, Tampa, uh, San Fran, especially on that side of things with Seattle, I think is really interesting. Um, just other prices or plays that stick out. I know you want to talk about Saquon Barkley a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean – I'm going to keep playing him until it, until it happens because they keep running him out there. So he's, he's healthy enough to play, but he's, he doesn't have a full role. 
well, that that's deflating his price. This is a guy that we've paid, I mean, almost 9K before in the past, and he's sitting there at 6,300. Elite receiver, a guy with a massive ceiling, if he's right and they give him the work. Um, this may not be the, the week that, I, that you need to try it with all the value that we have, um, but if he's going to – if he's going to come in at like 5% owned, I think I'd be willing to take some shots on that again too. Um, just because it's in there somewhere still. And we or waiting for him to get healthy, waiting for him to get that, that elite role that he's had in the past. Um, I don't know. I'm going to keep chasing it. Yeah. I mean, he has tournament winning upside every week has a nice matchup. Um, boy, oh boy. There's a laundry list of, fairly priced running backs in good matchups. Usually you don't get both, but you're getting a lot of price and matchup. And we talked about a lot of them and we barely even talked about going back to Fournette whose price is up. And I mean, like if you, if you can't pick a Tampa Bay receiver, maybe you just hope they pound the run game again, like Fournette at 47 DK points. And I still don't think he's going to carry a lot of ownership. What are your thoughts? Uh, Yeah, I I agree with you because People are going to want to play the passing game and Fournette, Fournette is like really priced up. Uh, I think he got almost a thousand. Yeah. He was 6,800 last week. Um, so $500 increase. And we've talked about all the value at running back. Uh, we haven't had much of a conversation over Jonathan Taylor, who's been awesome here recently. And I don't, I don't see any way that people are going to pay up for Fournette um, with Madison right there. T- Taylor, just a, a a little bit above him and then tons and tons of value at running back. I think Fournette goes overlooked again. Taylor's been, Taylor's been great. You're right. Go ahead. Yeah. I was just, I I don't even know. I'm trying just sitting here trying to think who do I want to prioritize out of all these guys. We talked about Mixon, um, talked about Madison and then all the value too. So I'm sitting here like, how am I going to get to Fournette? It's not an un, uh, not a, not a comfortable guy to roster, but you just saw what the upside is. If Brady comes in and and the pass catchers are all chalk again, I think you have to make sure you work that in. I mean, I we talked about a million running backs, and I like Mixon and I like Eckler, and I think if I, if I'm multi enter, you know, playing like a couple, I usually play a handful of lineups, hand build typically in NFL. Like I think I'm gonna play them together in that game. Just hope the game environment booms. But like Taylor's been so good. Well, I know I'm stating the obvious, but like averaging well over five and a half yards a carry last three games, you know, he played Tampa Bay and Buffalo last two weeks with stout run D's. Um, you know, last game he played Houston, we know about Houston. He had 140 yards on just 14 carries, 31 DK points. Like his odds of breaking the slate are pretty high. Now I know there's a lot of other guys that can do it, but if he's the raw point guy and you can get him at like sub 15% or something like that, like, I don't even think that's high. For, for like his upside and there's plenty of ways to get him. So I think Taylor is, huh, man, ah, on a normal slate, I'd say maybe he's even per dollar the best play despite his price tag, but he's not the per dollar play. Um, but in terms of raw points, like my money's probably on Taylor to get there, all things considered. I don't know. If you were to rank your top three running back plays right now, um, outside of like, let's, Let's just exclude Michelle, the Ram situation, and we'll exclude Boston Scott, and we'll exclude Jonathan Williams, right? Or J- J- Jamal Williams, excuse me. We'll just get rid of those three. Who, who are your top three 
DK plays at running back right now. Gun to head. Okay, so assuming that there's no just like obvious standout value. Yep. Um, yeah, I I think Taylor would be number one. Like, in, India has looked really good here recently. I don't see any way that they fall behind Houston. So give Taylor with a lead. I mean, there's no reason to trust Wentz in this situation. Just just hand it to Taylor. Let him continue. Uh, just leading the league in rushing. He's good for a touchdown or two. I'm I'm assuming. Um, so I, I'll go Taylor number one. I think I like how oh man it's wow. Yeah, this is difficult. <laughs> so I'm looking at Mixon, Madison, and Fournette for mm-hmm. sure. Um, I think I'll go Mixon second just because of the way the Chargers play defense. They're gonna let them run the ball on the ground with Mixon as much as they want to, pretty much, and just try to take away the passing game. So yeah, give me Taylor one, Mixon two. Oh man, Antonio Gibson's got to be in that conversation too. He's just way too cheap for what we just saw. I, I, I want I want Gibson over Mixon. So give me Taylor Gibson, Mixon be my three. That's tough. Taylor, so you said Taylor Gibson, Mixon, and um, man, love all those plays as well. You know, it feels like Dalvin Cook gets hurt all the time, but it's not really all the time. So I just wanted to make sure this was right, but um. Last two seasons, Cooks completely missed four games in the regular season. Uh, he has FanDuel totals of 22, 20, 28, and three and a half against Atlanta. Two of those games were against Detroit, by the way, where he went for 22 and 28. Went over 100 yards in two games. Had at least 20 carries in three of those games. Uh, the Atlanta game where he totally sucked, I think that was just uh, – they just got blown out. Weird anomaly game there where Atlanta was up. 30 to seven after three. So that makes sense. And uh, I don't think Minnesota is going to, I'm talking myself and Alexander Madison at this price, the, like, like the more I'm going here, but man, you know, I'm thinking like, does he have 30 point upside? And I want to say no, but like, yeah, he could, I mean, we just saw Leonard Fournette dumping in four times. <laughs> so man, that's tough. <sighs> I'm going to go Taylor. Not, not only does he have 30 point upside, he did it in their last game against Detroit. He had 30 DraftKings points. Oh, you're right. On DK, you did. You're right. <laughs> so I was looking at FanDuel. So good Lord. I'm going, I'm going Madison as my top play. That sucks because I really like John Taylor. So I'll put him too. But then I like get between this Mixon, Eckler. I think they're both in tremendous spots. Um, boy, and I really like Mixon too. It's hard for me to not say Mixon, but I, God. I'm going to play him in like game stacks, I guess. As of now, that's my plan. And I really like Gibson. We didn't even talk about Josh Jacobs, who's fairly priced against, against Washington. But I think I'm going to, I think I'm like not overthinking go to Eli Mitchell here at 6K. Like if I can get him 10 to 15%, which I think is probably reasonable this week, like back to back weeks with 27 carries, and you lose Debo, um, and you're in a fantastic matchup, you know, the Niners want to run the ball. God forbid he get, like you said, God forbid he gets involved in this pass game a little bit too at 6K. So many options. But I feel I feel like all the guys I mentioned are probably in your top, both of our top dozens. And the, like it's so close right now as to like who's gonna have that ceiling game. Yeah, it is gonna be really difficult to narrow down running back the running back pool this week. And like, okay, so here here's one I just want to throw. I just you, we briefly mentioned him. What's James Conner against Chicago going to come in at at fifty nine hundred? Like, 
I mean, okay, Kyler's back and maybe Hopkins is back. Does that like does that hurt or help? I mean, Edmonds is still gone, so he's the de facto, no doubt about it, uh, of running back this week. And you know, his matchup is eh, it's pedestrian, right? It's like is Connor gonna go five, ten percent owned maybe here? He I could see him kind of falling by the side, especially if we get some of the other value. Um, I think Kyler does hurt his goal line role a little bit. Although he was scoring pretty much two touchdowns every week with Kyler earlier in the <laughs> season. So <laughs> it's not that he won't have a goal line role. Um, yeah. Tougher matchup. I, I think Connor would come in lower than the other guys. Um, if, if injuries don't shake out the way that we want and he's still priced, I think Gibson comes in higher on than him, but that would, that would be close. Okay. Um, you know what? I think running backs were the most important position to kind of decipher this week. Any, like anybody at receiver you want to bring up, we didn't talk about like anything that stands out in, in general. Um, uh, you know, there aren't a ton of smash receiver, no brainer plays. So I'm kind of interested to see who, you know, what ownership projections uh, show us. I still think Hunter Renfro's price is fair, especially with Waller out. And we were all talking about more. No, but. And if Waller's not going to play, I mean, Renfro's seen at least eight targets in, what was this, one, two, three, four of the last five games? Five of the last six, I'm sorry. So I think Renfro stands out. And he'll, I don't know. Like, what's his, if people are going to play more, no, is Renfro going to be popular? I mean, if you don't need value, if you have the value at running back, if you're going to be one of those, like, you don't need Renfro and you're paying up, right, at receiver probably. So I, I'm curious to see where Renfro shakes out, you know, with Morneau in the mix now. Yeah, that's a good point. I think like he's just not a fun guy to roster, not a sexy guy to roster. So people generally don't, but he he has legitimately a wide receiver one role. Um, I, I like that call. Um, I, I mean, right there in that the mid five Ks on DraftKings, there is a ton of awesome wide receiver plays. Um, T Higgins finally got there last week. Uh, been chasing that one for quite some time there, um, but found the end zone. He's he's had the the target share all year long, but just hasn't been converting him. But six catches found the end zone. Great game for T Higgins last week. I'd be willing to go right back there. Uh, Michael Pittman was a guy that had put up a couple of ceiling games. Now he's got this matchup against Houston um, on in, in the dome in Houston. So I, I go right back to Pittman. I talked about Mike Williams quite a bit earlier. Love that, that matchup for him this week. Uh, love that price tag and, and the upside that he offers. Brandon Cooks in that Houston indie game is in play. Like all of these guys are are sub six K. So um this is this is a loaded loaded week for sure. Nayuk is right there too. We just we talked about him a ton. <laughs> Someone from that San Fran game is gonna be in a GPP winner, I think. It's just, you know, how, how are you gonna push the right buttons? Uh, you know, Odell Beckham has a hit pointer apparently, and like I don't know. I guess he just strikes me as soft, but like if he's limited at all and like maybe they're, you know, they're making the playoff push. Like, can you play Van Jefferson? You know, seven targets since the, since the Detroit game, seven targets, six targets, seven targets, seven, nine, like 5,300 against the Jags, you know? I mean, he, I don't know. Certainly. Yeah. yeah, Elite matchup. Right. Yep, I'm interested for sure. Uh, he had a t- touchdown called back. Like he scored one, and then he had a second one called back. Last mm-hmm. week, so, um, yeah, I mean, he's just really carved out a nice role. Even when Woods was there, he was 
um, on the field just as much as like Woods and Cup were and and running the same amount of routes. So I think you have to consider him. I, I do have some concern about Stafford. I, he fought through it last week and threw for 300 yards, but definitely will be keeping an eye on news surrounding Stafford because I don't, I don't think he's quite right. Um, and we just talked about a ton of great plays in this range, but yeah, Jefferson's in the conversation for sure. All right, cool. Um, anything else we can bring up, you know, just for time purposes, uh, obviously a hell of a lot of great plays this week, especially at running back, which is going to make the slate really fun. And, um, you know, how you try to differentiate your builds, anything else, uh, Keith? Jaguars guys are popping a little bit, but <laughs> it's not a fun chase, but we expect them to be playing, playing behind against the Rams. Marvin Jones, just 4,700. Uh, LaVisca Chanel, just 4,400. Um, I think both of them will be in play for sure as well. Yeah. O'Shaughnessy, you know, um, <laughs> I don't know. I just think he's the interesting uh, large field tournament option there. We haven't seen him a lot this year, but my deep, my deep large field hot take is O'Shaughnessy outscores more no this week. And he's the guy like tight in. Scorching hot here. <laughs> um, you know, we typically do a story time. I don't know if you have, you know, we haven't talked in a while. Anything, anything going on in the life of eyes, <laughs> you know, what's going on down there in OKC, my friend. Any, anything going on? You have any close calls, in any tournaments or anything? Um, no, I mean, I, <laughs> last week there was, there was nothing even, even close. Uh, worst week of the season for me last week. Um, not much exciting going on here in Oklahoma city. So, um, Trying to think if I have anything I can come up with. Sometimes, uh, sometimes less is more, my friend. I mean, it's like <laughs> I'm so I'm in a state of depression here. It's 30 degrees. Just came from Florida off the plane the other day. Uh, the funniest thing that I, <laughs> oh, I thought it was funny though was yesterday when we were coming through security. Like we bought, you can just buy so many dumb souvenirs when you're on vacation. But we were going through security and they were checking our carry-on bag and we bought this ridiculous fake alligator head and, she, and she's like is there anything sharp or dangerous in your bag and I was like well it's just an alligator head and like <laughs> she looked at me like you know I thought security was coming fast for me I'm like it's dead don't worry but you know still had the teeth on it I don't know why the bag got pill- got pulled my girlfriend like brought some sand back from Siesta Key and I think they checked it for drugs you know I don't know just didn't expect uh, that to hold the, the sand in the alligator head to hold this up but it happened man airport life that's never fun when when you have to go through the extra steps there it's <laughs> stressful enough just uh i don't know getting through the gate and all that but whenever you get held up that's never fun yeah we didn't pick the best week to travel but you know 15 dollars airport beer for the win you know it's, it's <laughs> yeah that, that helps pass the time right yeah well thanks for joining me man thanks for filling in uh, for the chief you had a lot going on you know we'll be back in action next week and i know you are frequently on the Roto Grinders world uh, for us out there. And we have a, a busy weekend on Sunday coming up yet again with what two NFL shows and we're doing NBA crunch time on Sunday, I think. So it's going to be fun. Yeah. Sundays are fun this time of year, right? Like trying to watch the football games, prepping for an NBA slate so we can do, do our show on Sunday. And then we roll that right into the Sunday night football game. So we see a lot of each other on Sundays and a couple of times I've even jumped in on, on NFL crunch time early in the day too. So we've, We've pulled the triple header before. 
I know. Yeah, <laughs> we talked about it on one of the crunch time shows, but that's like when I'm the most pandemic friendly because I'll wake up and I think Devin said he had breakfast delivered. And I'm like, you know what? There's Sundays. I don't even leave my house between doing yeah. like the three shows and the prep work and whatever. So it's like, I, I order in my food, like a lazy bum, but you know, you're researching for all these sports and it's like, man, I don't even leave the house on some Sundays. Is that how your Sundays are going sometimes? That is definitely how my, my Sundays currently roll. <laughs> it's like after after Sunday night lock, honestly, sometimes I just like go for a quick drive to like just get out and feel the air in my face or something. <laughs> yeah. And it, it seems like it just flies by and you don't even realize that you haven't moved from your couch the entire day. And t- like you said, as soon as that Sunday night football game locked, it's like, wow, where, where did that day go? But <laughs> sure, man. I'm feeling that for sure. There might be some early tilts this week with uh, with all the chalk at running back. So so we'll see. I'm actually I'm actually re- filling in and recording the, uh, the the NBA morning grind on Sunday too. So like I'm I'm really gonna be uh, through the ringer. So I'm excited to talk some hoops and uh, you know I think Stevie's going on a little bit of vacation. So he deserves it. That guy works like seven days a week doing NASCAR and, and everything else. So yeah, well, sure. I have a long day Sunday. I'm gonna need some Red Bull and some coffee um, and the whole nine to get through. um i know you're not on twitter much every now and then i'll see you like retweet something or whatever but if people do want to follow you where can they find you uh you can find me at ice 819 dfs so eys 819 dfs on twitter but yeah you you won't find any breaking news or anything (laughs) from me but um some some uh scores and odds picks make sure you're you're getting on scores and odds um so you'll you'll see them tweet out some stuff um, been really enjoying writing up some of the props and whatever sides of games I'm on and things like that, but really enjoying the scores and odds. For sure. Our, our team's crushing it over there uh, on SAO and you're a big part of it. So hats off to you and uh, you know, scores and odds is one thing. And of course the chief's prop shop is another quick plug for him. Got his own discord channel um, crushing over there at prize picks um, and thrive and, and things like that. So without further ado, so we can get this podcast out there on this Tuesday. Uh, that was Keith. And I am Justin, and we will see you throughout the week on Roto Grinders. Good luck, everybody, and stay well.